Okay, I get introduced by Brown today. This is cool. So we're making this up as we go. What I'd like to do is I want to honor and acknowledge our practitioner's vision that we've um, come together in, in uh, our sacred covenant is connecting you with your whole self. So our practitioners are now offering a one-minute individual affirmative prayer at the front of our stage immediately after each service. So if you'd like some prayer work done right after service, feel called to that. Please feel free to approach a, one of the practitioners. And there's also half hour pra- uh, prior to each service, a practitioner guides the meditation in our solarium. Practitioners will take requests. You write on the opportunity for you cards in your program. And if you would like prayer support today, please make your way to the front and, and connect with one of our practitioners. So I'd like to invite all the practitioners and ministers to please stand at this point in time. Thank you for being of service. In response to some requests had from the congregation over the years, we like uh, sometimes to have a Sunday where we don't have a featured soloist, where we can actually do some uh, congregational singing, just as a group we have a chance to express ourselves musically. And this morning, we're going to have some leadership from a person who inspires me constantly every Sunday, who is always doing the work, who has the musical attitude as well, and is constantly inspiring me to do the work. So it's my great pleasure to introduce as leader of the next song, Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. Thank you. Thank you, Brown. I just want to thank this whole um, group of musicians up here and the wonderful Dale Adesaurus joined us this Sunday. I always love her presence and consciousness and, and uh, she has a wonderful new video out on a, on a song that she wrote on Facebook. You ought to check out sometime. Anyway, please feel free to to, uh, sing along. I know you know this song. If you've been here before, it's called Come. It's based on a poem by Rumi. lover of leaving come come whoever you are it isn't a caravan of despair come come whoever you are wanderer worshiper lover of leaving come come whoever you are isn't a caravan of despair and it doesn't matter if you've broken your vows a thousand times before and yet again come again come yet again come come whoever you are wanderer worshiper lover of leaving Come, whoever you are, this isn't a caravan of despair. Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving. Come, come, whoever you are, this isn't a caravan of despair. It doesn't matter if you've 
some really wonderful musicians that come and share their gifts with us every week. I just want to thank I want to thank them. I want to thank the divine consciousness that we collectively come together and invite this beautiful experience into our lives. So with that said, I'd like to invite you to sing another song with me. If you'd like to stand and do that, please feel free. If not, you can stay seated. And then we'll do our affirmative prayer together. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world 
And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very Take a moment with me and breathe in, in this moment. And it is in that breath, that taking in the breath of life, the breath of the infinite, the breath of the divine, that we are reminded, I am reminded of the, the immediate presence of spirit. And so I know that in my heart and my mind is open myself to that, this infinite divine intelligence is always available present here and now. I recognize it, I celebrate it, I give thanks, and I stand in awe with you of it and understand that my life is that life and that I, you and I have been given gifts and talents, challenges and opportunities to move forward and to find new perspectives and new ways to come into mastery of self, mastery of, of awareness and consciousness so that we may live from that, that Christ consciousness, that Buddha nature. And so what I say to you as I stand with you today in the, in the joy and the humility and the, the, the expectancy of wonder and awe as I move forward in my life, I bless all of the teachers that I've had. I bless all of the experiences that have brought you and I together this day. I bless the infinite wisdom that lives within you and lives within me that has called us together and said, let us explore and give birth to the new ideas that are seeking expression. May we be the doorway for that. May we build upon the wonderful, beautiful lessons of all the great spiritual masters that have come down through the ages and continue to expand. These things I have done, ye shall do an even greater, was what this master teacher said from Nazareth. And so you and I have that opportunity this day, and so I know that our success, our, our perfection is already preordained. In fact, no need to seek perfection. Let us seek instead in this moment perfect peace, knowing that all is well in our lives, despite what it looks like. All is well, because we are not alone. And so I'm reminded of this beautifully and wonderfully. I know the words, ideas, music, heartfelt sharing, and the cracking open of our hearts in a new and wonderful way this day. Whatever is appropriate, I know that each and every one of us makes ourselves available to that. With that said, I give thanks. I release these words knowing that they continue to have an, a positive and powerful impact in our lives. For this I give thanks. And together we say, and so it is. All right. Well, we're doing there's exciting things happening within our community. We are beginning to film uh, on a very uh, wonderfully consistent uh, basis. And there's actually um, 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 a, um, a prelude to what we're going to be broadcasting. You may find yourself in that video. And if you are, uh, please let us know if you would like not to be in that video because we will make sure that we edit you out and we'll put uh, somebody else in there in your place. But um, we're going to operate under the assumption that you're, you're good with that and not that everybody's there, but you'll, we'll, we'll show samples of it as we go along. But it's really wonderful that we're able to uh, start to reach out into the world in an even bigger way and to share our message. 
And, you know, people all over the planet are, are, are contacting us on a very consistent basis saying thank you for what you're doing, for the work you're doing. And, and without the support, without the sum total of our community here, those things would not be possible. And our podcast for a number of years have gone out all over the world. So it's just been wonderful to be part of that as we expand that. Um, also want to acknowledge in the, the success of our teen group that was in California this last week. I don't know if a lot of you know, but the, the camp they were in was evacuated because of some fires that were in the area. And as a precaution, the fire department said, you have to leave the camp, which uh, cut their camp short by two or three days. And when I heard this and found that everybody was safe, I thought, this is the perfect camp because you come together as a tribe. And then all of a sudden, all these experiential, experiential things that people do, these kids do together to bond as a tribe and care for one another and nurture one another and all of a sudden a, a real life incident shows up and it's like, oh my gosh, what a great opportunity to care for one another and make sure everybody's safe and to love one another. And, and you know, when you're a teen, how exciting that is, the drama of that, there's a fire and we're, our lives are in peril. And I mean, in a few years, it'll be such a big story and they'll be making movies out of it and it'll, it'll rival uh, the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston and... <sighs> I just the, the possibilities are just endless. And here's David Brown. He's home safe. Did you get David? Would you stand up? Look at it. the fire burned his hair off the top of his head. David, what a guy! He made it. Good for you. Blessings. So we're looking forward to hearing some things next week from the teens. I I won't be here, but you will. So you let them know. Okay. Good. Hashtag CSL teens. You'll see lots of pictures of what David just said. So, um, yeah, just it's, you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful, uh, some wonderful things are happening. And uh, today I've been talking about spiritual practice, why it's important to have spiritual practice in our lives. And I mean, I know you're here. Part of coming together as community is spiritual practice. Spiritual practice is is so important. I mean, statistically now, because we have so many wonderful things measured, to have an active, consistent prayer life, to have an active and consistent meditation practice. You know, we do the, the uh, co-creation, we do the sacred healing circle, and to have a, a, an active and, and alive releasing prayer. Because see, what happens for all of us is we've had life experiences, we've had challenges and situations, and then we carry those things with us. I, that's been my experience, and my experience in working with people over the years is we all have error beliefs about ourselves that we carry with us. And so it's wonderful when we have an opportunity to release some of those things. And what happens when we release some of those things is it creates a greater space for something new and more interesting to happen. But it's always in that repotting where it's uncomfortable. You know, if you've ever had a plant that grows to a certain size and then you've got to either repot it or it will not flourish, it's sometimes we're in those stages of being uprooted and put into the new pot. And that's why I think it's, it's, it's vitally important to have community, to have people see. And in fact, I was talking to our, our new uh, video person this week, Luke Murray, and Luke and I were talking about this, how important it is to be inspired. One of the things that I love about what we do here is I get a chance to do all this research, and I get inspired, and then I get excited about an idea, and I go, oh my gosh, I thought I shared everything I, I already know, and I already have. But there's so much more to, to discover and to, and to share. And I, and I love that. And then I love the opportunity to come together with you and share these ideas. So hopefully, and my intention is that you're inspired and you're lifted up and so that you go out into your week and you're, you can be more productive and you can be, you, and you have, you have a greater sense of purpose. 
And so what it is, is, is we, we start to come in, in alignment with our greater sense of purpose. We find the ways to continue to be inspired and then on a consistent basis, not only to have the inspiration, but how do we recharge and re-energize that, that inspiration. And so it's exciting because what we're talking about here is we're talking about this, this process or process of, of unfolding and possibility. And if we look at the world, the beautiful thing is we live at a time now we, we have recorded history. We don't live in little villages where we never, you know, uh, many times, you know, a couple hundred years ago, people wouldn't go more than five miles outside the village. Why would you do that? There's scary stuff out there. But we don't live in that world anymore. And the world continues to change and evolve, and there's possibilities and opportunities for all of us. And Dr. Ernest Holmes, our founder, talked, called that divine discontent. He said, all of us have these divine urges that we want to express more. It's the nature of the infinite presence, this divine presence, this Father, Mother, God presence that wants to express and experience more. And as I said, but many times we're carrying things along with us that are error beliefs about ourselves that we've been given out of love by uh, past generations, by parents, by teachers, by environment. And so uh, for us, it's, a, it's about finding ways to walk along, and, 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 and I don't think those memories ever go away. I just think what happens is we grow beyond them. And so I want to share with you a, a poem by David White. He's one of my favorite poets. It's called The Path, or No Path. It's called No Path. And I think it speaks beautifully to this idea of how we would like it to be one way. We'd like it to be a straight line, and yet our journey is never a straight line. Have you noticed? You know, we, we create a plan and then something happens. Is anybody, is that, am I the only one that's ever happened? I was downtown the other, yesterday for the farmer's market, and you know what, I, I had this amazing uh, realization because of my extraordinary uh, capacity for observation. I'll just say that. <laughs> that all the great and convenient parking spots have a fire hydrant there as well. <laughs> have you noticed that? And I know I can park there. But there's no guarantee my vehicle be, will be there when I get back. And I also know it'll be very expensive. So in my extraordinary uh, powers of observation, along with my life experience, I choose not to park there. But I just noticed that. I thought I'd share that with you. Just to, so I'm going along. So no path. David White begins, there's no path that goes all the way. There's no path that goes all the way. Not that it, stop, not that it stops us looking for the full continuation I love that. No path that goes all the way, but not that it stops us from looking for the full continuation because we keep looking. I just got to get to this one thing. I get this one program down. I read this one book. Take this one class. It's my path. <sighs> and then all of a sudden, <laughs> something happens. Oh, okay. And it's not that it's wasted, but it's, all it is articulating here is how we, are, we can be geared. It's one way, and I want the path. Give me, just tell me how to do it. Just tell me how to do it, which ties in beautifully with this spiritual practices thinking. I'm going to expand on this in a bit. What's happening, the evolution of consciousness, the evolution of thinking on the planet, and it's exciting. It's good news. But to have insight and awareness about it helps us because then we can look at it and say, oh, there I am doing that. The one line in the poem we can start and follow straight to the end. The one line in the poem that we can follow straight to the end. The fixed belief we can hold facing a stranger that saves us the trouble of a real conversation. The fixed belief we can hold. This is the way. My way. Can you imagine how that song that I just sang would sound if I only played one chord all the way through? It would be, not be as interesting. I guarantee you. But one day, 
David continues, you are not just imagining an empty chair where your loved one sat. You are not just telling a story where the bridge is down and there's nowhere to cross. You are not just trying to pray to a God you imagine would keep you safe. Boy, there's a popular idea, isn't it? If I'm more spiritual, I'll be safe. And then something will happen and people will say, oh, they went to church every Sunday. Why would something bad happen to them? Which is just suggests that because we, because we think that, that if we do these things that we will always be safe. And, and so it's a very popular idea. I think what, what happens when we're, we're in spiritual practices, we're always where we need to be having the right experience. But it may not look safe at times. Now you've come to the place where nothing you've done, now you've come to the place where nothing that you've done will impress and nothing you can promise will avert the silent confrontation, the place where your body already seems to know, the way having kept to the last its own secret reconnaissance. I'm going to repeat that because it's a wonderful phrase. Now you've come to the place where nothing you've done will impress and nothing can promise you can promise will avert the silent confrontation. So in other words, that all of our history... And who we are in this moment is just that as history. And, and, and the error beliefs about what it is that we think we are doesn't impress anyone anymore. Or the persona we've put on. Because the reality of us, we're deeper than that. And there's more to us than that. Nothing you can promise will avert the silent confrontation and the place where your body already seems to know the way having kept to the last, its own secret reconnaissance. So the divine intelligence that lives within us already knows. But many times we're in denial with it. So it's that deep work. It's the clearing away. It's confronting the error beliefs and all of a sudden realizing this isn't really who I am. I'm not this fear. I'm not this belief I'm not good enough. And I'm not the, the best thing since sliced bread. I'm just me. And you're just you. And it's perfect. Just the way it is. It doesn't mean that there's not more available and to understand and to experience and to be. It just means in this moment it's perfection. So what happens if you agree with yourself right now? You're perfect. Whew, eliminates a lot of work and worry, doesn't it? You've got to find something else to think about. So not to seek the perfection, but to seek the peace. The perfect peace in this moment. Because in the peace is that reliance and that faith and that sustainability of who we are, what we are, whose we are. You are the thing itself. You have... You have you have traveled for, from eternity to this moment to be here. Given the gift of consciousness and free will and choice to make decisions. How today will be, how this afternoon will be, how you will leave here today. What are your expectations? What is your invitation? And how do you maintain that? How do you hold f that faith so that you can nurture that? And then David continues, but still there is no path that goes all the way. There's no path that goes all the way. One conversation leads to another, one breath to the next, until there's no breath at all, just the inevitable final release of the burden. And then your life will have to start all over again for you to know even a little of who you had been. So he's talking about the renewal. He's talking about putting things down. As the Apostle Paul wrote, die daily. He's talking about the continuum of life which is always happening for us. I was just talking to Brenda between services and she said she just released her position that she had. So you're being uprooted. 
And so it's a very tender time. It's a time to be very careful with yourself and kind and gentle and to be open to possibility. But she just knew in her heart of hearts. So she gets a chance to be in that conversation with herself and see who she had been. And what's the longing? Because eventually the divine discontent encourages us to move into a new, a new um, experience. So I know right now that the right and perfect ideas, people, opportunities, and doorways are opening for you. That's my knowing, and that's my story, and that's what I'm sticking with for Brenda. Or I could have said to her, oh my God, are you out of your mind? That was a great job. You had that for years. What the hell's wrong with you? Seems incredible. I, 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 t- we're going to take you off the membership list right now. I mean, what's that all about? But I mean, that's another choice. Is it not another choice? Oh, good. You, yeah, you've done that. Okay, you're good. You've done that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. There's no path that goes all the way. But this is the nature of life. And this is the nature of what we teach. We have such an amazing teaching. We have such amazing, wonderful teachers and practitioners of this. And it doesn't mean we don't go off the rails once in a while and we, ha- we don't have challenges. We get caught up in the stories. Because we do. We just don't stay there stuck. There's all kinds of great things happening here. You know, we're looking at, we're putting together a, a, a group of people to look at a strategic plan for our facility. And so when I look at it, it's just like, I love this facility, love this sanctuary, I love having the labyrinth, I love the old church, I love the arch ceiling and all of the great stuff. And yet, I know on a Sunday, if we're a spiritual community, we're a spiritual family, we should be able to fit the whole family in here. And our teens don't have anywhere to go on Sunday, so they come Sunday night. But we just do that because they have the place to themselves on Sunday night, and that's great. But what if they actually were here every Sunday, and they got to hang out with us, and they could come in and do the offering, and they could be more present with us? And, and the same for our little ones, and the same for the classes that we could be offering, and there's all kinds of possibilities. So there's part of me, the analyst in me says, oh my God, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of conversations I don't want to have. Let's just keep, keep things the way they are. They work pretty good. The heck with those teens. They can come at night. But what I know is that, that the nature of the infinite is always be seeking a greater and greater expression. And so we either step up to that and say yes or we don't. And it's not a bad thing to say no. It's just a, it's going to be a different experience. And then I look at it and I say, how are we going to do that? Because that's a lot of resources. And then I realize it's not my job. You, you, create the, you create the prototype. You set the intention. And then you create the invitation. And probably a lot of the ideas and a lot of the programs and the, opportuni- and the opportunities that will allow us to move into that other experience will show up. And if we don't, if we, collectively, and if I don't help create the consciousness for that to happen, it won't happen. And so it's not, it's not life or death. It's just the way consciousness works. So what I know in this is the great opportunity for me is I get to grow beyond my capacity right now. The higher I think I'm at, it has to be higher. And to be open to the opportunity and also to be teachable and subject to change so that what it wants to show up can show up. But if I'm comfortable with that idea, because it's very uncomfortable... If I'm comfortable with that and understand that's the nature of what we do, and if I can't model that for myself and the ones I love and for my community that I treasure and for the movement that I think is so powerful and wonderful and such a practical, make sense philosophy in my relationship with the unseen powers for good, 
then what am I doing? So I want something that's going to force me to grow. I want something to stretch me. I want something that's going to say, man, yeah, you've been creative, but now you get to be even more creative. Now you get to invite more people that want to play with you in a bigger way and to, and to contribute. And that's really fun. I like that. That's, that's exciting. The best is yet to come. Something wonderful is happening up here. We put that banner up when I first got here over 10 years ago. And it's still happening. And people continue to come in and they get what they need and they go out. I was talking to one of our young adults the other day. I haven't seen him in 10 years. He graduated a number of years ago when I first got here from the teen group. And he's talking about how everything he got in teen group has influenced what he's doing now in business, his approach, his friendships. He still has friends from the teen group. He's still connected to the philosophy. There's no church where he's going. There's no spiritual community where he's going. But it's influenced everything he is. Because that which we dwell upon, we become. So if we're going to expose ourselves to these ideas, we're going to be stretched. We're going to ask to, to be comfortable being uncomfortable and changing and growing and adapting. And we can say no any time. We can say, no, I'm going to go somewhere where they tell me there's one path and I'm going to stay on that path. And I'm going to be a good person and I'm going to behave myself. And when I, when I drop dead one day, I'm going to go straight to heaven. And I'm going to get a harp and I'm going to get these great wings and I'm going to float around all day long singing songs. Yeah. What do you think of that? She likes that. She's laughing at me. That's good. You should laugh at that. So all I'm saying is, we can, I can step up to my life or not. And what, and what the infinite presence says to me is, I love you. I love you. And whatever you decide, whatever invitation you create, I will do everything in my power to fulfill. So if I, I, I set the table in my, and, and set an invitation of my consciousness and come clear with that vision, and then it's not being manifested in my life in some capacity, it's not because it isn't offered, it's just simply because I haven't created the consciousness to receive it. Does this make sense? This is the way it works, which can be really frustrating. Because who do you have to blame when stuff's not showing up that you've been praying for? Yeah. Unless, unless you don't play the blame game. Unless you say, oh, there's more for me to do. See, the, 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 the beauty of it is, is that the expansion of consciousness is just it's so exciting. And if one more cell wakes up in your body today by doing your spiritual practice, by thinking in a new way, maybe that's enough. You know, our, 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 our organizational vision statement is a world that works for everyone. Well, I got news for you. The world does work for everyone. It does. It works, the world works mathematically. It works according to everyone's subjective nature of giving and receiving. And there are people in the world that I see suffering and it cracks my heart open and I feel bad and I want to help. But the world's working for them at the level of consciousness they are. And so maybe that vision statement is not about transforming the world because the world doesn't need transforming or fixing. But maybe it's for me to, have the, to shift my perception and my observation in the world to realize it already does work. What I'd like to see, if, if, I, if I go over here and I ask Colin what, what the world would look like if it worked for everyone, he will tell me. And then I go over here and I, and I ask Darlene what the world would look like if it worked for everyone. They will have different opinions. And, he, and both of them will be accurate and, and, and valid in terms of what they believe. 
But what I think what we're talking about with that is a world where the opportunities for everyone that would like to have a greater experience of life, that would like to have access to education, to, to, to clean water and, to, and, and enough food, to an education so that their inherent gifts can be shared with the, with the world is available. I believe that's what, what that statement means. But the world's working for everyone. It's just not working very effectively for some. And we see that. We see people. I have a neighbor that I watch. It's, a, it's just suffering after suffering after suffering. And, I'm, and I can invite her to church and I can give her books. She not having none of it. Because she is convinced that life is suffering. And I find myself many times getting really frustrated because I want this to be different for her. There's never a kind word that, that, that's shared. It's always fear-based. It's always lack. It's always chaos, confusion. She, I won't, she invites me into the backyard sometimes because she always needs a little stuff fixed and I'm, you know, and I'm pretty good handyman. But I, I don't want to go in her backyard anymore. She has two dogs that jump all over me every time I go in there. And I just realize, you know what? I don't like going in there because these dogs just are out of control. But it's just, an, and it's not a criticism, but it's just an observation. Consciousness prevails. Because I've been to other people's homes and their dogs don't jump all over you. But isn't it interesting when you're in an environment of chaos, it's chaotic. So I know some of you are thinking about your dogs right now and about inviting me over. All I have to say is if your dogs jump all over me, I'll be standing at the kitchen window having a conversation with you. Because I like myself too much to have some dog that I don't know jumping all over me. And, and, and I'm just telling you, and I'm not saying it because I'm angry, I just don't like it. You know, I mean, be like somebody punching you in the stomach while they're talking to you. Not gently punching you. I just don't like doing that. But I realized, I'm, you know, she invited me into the backyard yesterday. I said, no, no, stay out here. I can talk to you over the fence. And I realized, well, and I went home. I didn't, and I said, oh, you know what? It's just dogs. But the point is, is that it, we get to choose. And I'm not picking on her because I have great compassion for her. I think her life should be, see, I think she should have a world that works for her. But it's none of my business. But I have an opinion. So what do I do with the opinion? Well, I get to do my forgiveness work. It's all, it's all about me in this relationship. So I get it. She's a great teacher for me. And I have great compassion for her. And who am I to say that that experience that she's having right now is not right and perfect for her? That her learning is going on right there. I mean, you know, but that's how I, you, we, I can become arrogant in what I think should be happening. So it, we have this amazing, oh my gosh, I'm almost out of time. I haven't even started giving my talk yet. <laughs> Holy cow. This is, I, I love this, you guys. I just, I love being with you. I love, I love, I love life. I mean, there's so many good things happening that I just feel in my heart. Um, you know, it's just, life is sweet. It's working. It's just working. And Daniel Pink in his work, he's done a lot of work. He wrote a book called The Whole New Mind a number of years ago, and he wrote another one called Drive. And it's wonderful work, and he's done a lot of research around uh, thinking styles, and he talks about the left brain and the right brain. The left brain is the analytical. It, it's the, it's the, the mathematician, the statistics, and the analyst. And the right brain is the artist. And we need them both. Talks about the journey of consciousness over the last several years, how things have become more... Uh, if you can do it in a, in a process that's sequential, so uh, taxes, for example. A lot of people, over a million people last year sent their taxes and had them done in India. Uh, people use TurboTax. Over a million... The, how many people used a computer program to do their taxes this last year? Yeah, there's a good percentage in here. 
So all of a sudden, those things that you can go from point A to point B are being done by automation or they're being done by someone at a cheaper uh, cost factor. And so then he talks about the, this idea of that, that we no longer have to dig the ditches. We have equipment for that and the pipelines going in and the homes that get built and there's all these big equipment that move things. We don't have to do everything by hand anymore. But 100 years ago, everything was done with our backs. Now we, then we moved into the left brain. But he said what's happening now for us and what, what ties in so beautifully with our movement is we're moving, we see the value now of the right brain as well. So we need the analysts, we need to understand, we need to chart, we need to, tr to track, but we also need the right brain, which is the creativity, it's a possibility. It's where we, when we do meditation, all of a sudden something will, will show up for us. And it's not either or, it's both and. So what they're doing now in, in medical schools is they're taking the medical students, the, the cutting-edge medical schools, and they're taking the medical students to the museum to observe great artwork. Because what they want to develop in them is this extraordinary powers of observation. So that they can see deeply into what they're looking at, because sometimes it's not apparent what's going on. And they have, a, they have a new scale. You know that, that IQ used to be the scale they'd measure everything. You know that IQ, now that they've measured it over and over the years, plays up 20%, has 20% of an impact in the results of something. 20%, that's it. I took an IQ test when I was in high school. They never told me what I got on the test. I'm pretty sure they were trying to protect my feelings and <laughs> let me know that I wasn't up at the top. But 20% is, is, is how it impacts. So there's 80%. I mean, I've known people that are absolute geniuses that cannot get themselves dressed and out of the house in the morning. So there's, there's other capacities. In, in um, medical school, and our, our son Max just entered his residency at the U of A, they have a, a scale now called the Jefferson Scale of Physician Empathy. The Jefferson Scale of Physician Empathy. In other words, it's how uh, the doctor connects with the patient empathetically. And they say that they've scored it now because they, they, they track everything in medical school. That's the great thing. They, you know, they don't do something and go, oh, we think it worked. How, why do you think it worked? I don't know. No, they track everything. And in it, what they realize is that scores, higher scores on this Jefferson scale of physician empathy correlate very highly with patient outcomes. So the more empathy involved with the patient, the better the results are which speaks volumes to practitioner work and spiritual work and having empathy, but not being, not, not becoming enabling. See, that's, the, that's the, the hard part, is not enabling, but having empathy. And empathy is, is that ability to love and support, but not supporting the, the aberrant behaviors that are not in the, that person's best interest. Ah, oh, that's a nice tune. Somebody's phone's going off. Just going to start moving to it here. Because I, I go with everything that's happening. So that's okay. I have that same ring, I think. In fact, if that's my mom calling, tell her I'll call her back in a little bit. But, but isn't it interesting that a, a higher score of empathy has a, has a powerful impact on, on the results of the patient? So what they know is that well-trained doctors need both the analytical and the, the empathetic, the aesthetically, uh, aesthetic connection as well. In, in engineering schools, and it, the, the top engineering employers now are looking for these qualities. So that you need to have the math, you need to have that, the ability to do the calculations, but they're also looking for people that have passion, innovation, lifelong learners, leadership skills, systems thinking, 
ability to work in a multicultural environment, and the ability to change. They're not just looking for somebody that can do the math anymore, because they want that right side of the brain to light up as well, and so that there can be that, that collaborative of creativity that's possibility. They're looking, as, as Daniel Pink says, they're looking for people that are T-shaped. They have depth, and they have breadth. And they're, and they're able to, to cross-pollinate with other modalities and see the sum total of it. See, I believe in our, our community here. It's, could, see, some of the things that we can do is have strategic partnerships with people in this community to do things so that this community continues to be more and more alive. And, and that we reach out in the world and we're, we're more of a presence in the world in, in allowing and supporting worthwhile programs in the community, having resources available so that we're not just sending seven or eight or ten children or teens to summer camp, but we could, we could send dozens of, of uh, children to summer camp. And we could have programs here in a way to expand what we're already doing in a bigger way, not just physically, but also on the Internet. And that stuff's happening. This idea that we get together on a Sunday and we do it, it's wonderful. I love the one-on-one. I love it because there's nothing like this. But, and we're, that's why we're reaching out with, the, with the, um, the broadcast in a bigger way. Because the message is important. People need to hear this. We are the light bearers of this philosophy. And a lot of people will tell you that it's, uh, you know, it's not for them. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be for everybody. But to make this available and, and, and practical in people's lives so they can live, so that you and I can live our best lives. You know, I've been announcing for a few months, I said we're not hitting our budget, and if you could throw a few more dollars in each week, because we're not hitting a budget. And, and you know what? I'm not doing that anymore, because you guys got budgets. We got budgets. You don't know what we're doing with money. And we're doing good things, and we're, doing, and we're being resourceful and responsible. But what I'm saying is it's not about that. It's about our programs. It's about changing lives. It's about having an impact. It's about planting seeds with kids that go out in the world and make a difference. And so where do you go to get that? You know, people come to me all the time. They say, oh, I'm taking this weekend over here with this group, and they're, they're going to teach us this and this and this and this. And I said, well, have you ever taken a class here? Because you're going to spend $1,200 for the weekend. We offer the same thing over eight weeks, so you have a chance to assimilate, and it's 200 bucks. Yeah, yeah, but I got this whole thing. And I said, oh, go for it. I get it because it's more expensive. We just need to triple the cost of our classes because some people got to spend the money. So, but it's, it's very titillating and I get it. And I'm not critical of that because I've done them. I've been, I've been there, I bought the t-shirt, you know, and then I got to come back home and all of a sudden it wears off and I'm like, oh my God, I'm still stuck with the same old me. I got all these great ideas and it's still me. I still got to do my work. I still got to do my practice. I got to do my forgiveness work. I got to do my prayer work. I got to do my examination. All that stuff. And I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a quick fix. In fact, for me, it wasn't. We want, what, what we are in this movement is we are artists that are also scientists. We are religious scientists, but we're also artists. And we're scientists that are artists and artists that are scientists. We have a lady that lives behind us. I'm going to encourage all of you on your way out today to go by our trash bin in the back. I'm serious about this now. If you get a chance. In fact, we should set a little toll booth there. Teen fundraiser. Barbie Lee will be there and she'll take your, your loony as you go by. Um, but if, when you go by our trash can, you'll see this beautiful hollyhock. It is gorgeous. And so I'm out there the other day and Colleen, who lives behind us, she's right behind her and she and I always have these great conversations. She's an artist. 
And so she, she was out there, and, and she's watering it. And she's been watering this thing for like three or four years. And I said, you planted this, didn't you? We were talking on Saturday. And she said, yeah, I planted it about four years ago. And then I looked down by the car wash. If you look down further down, there's another one. And I said, you planted that one too, didn't you? And she said, yeah, and she smiles. And she says, I have a whole jar of the seeds, and I go all over town, and when nobody's looking, I plant one. <laughs> and I thought, what a great, great strategy. They're beautiful. You've got to see this hollyhock back here. She said a lady pulled up the other day and, and with her shears and cut one off. And she said, I looked at her, and I ran out. And she said, I said, it's just beautiful, isn't it? And then the lady's standing there with the stalk and her shears. And she goes, yes, it is. And she said, is this yours? She goes, yes, it is. I planted it so I can see it out of my kitchen window. And she said, well, I'm going to take it home and I'm going to plant this one. And she said, it doesn't work that way. They don't grow like that. You've got to have the seed. So she said, let me give you some seeds. And she was very sweet. She told me it was a lovely conversation and she was not upset because it's so beautiful and plentiful. One, one does not diminish it, but it's not the way to transfer it. So if you're thinking about taking some home, you've got to have the seeds. Keep that in mind. But I just thought, what a wonderful, what a wonderful purpose in life. To just go out and randomly plant beautiful seeds. She says, oh, there's parks all over town. I just stop and I plant one. And she said, I have, I have different varieties that I plant as well. And I just thought, wow, this is such a great idea. She's like the Johnny Appleseed of Edmonton, <laughs> planting hollyhocks. But isn't that, is it true? I mean, and so what a metaphor for our lives. What, what, beautiful, what beautiful idea are you planting when you go somewhere? How are you holding the person in the store in your mind's eye when you're interacting with them. I mean, I'm asking myself this too. And, and, and am, am I honoring the divinity there? Am I celebrating what's before me? Or am I judging it? And, and so, and, uh, and for me also sometimes, it's the discernment rather than the judgment. I just know in, in my relationship with my neighbor, I don't like her dogs jumping on me. But I, I don't have anger about it. I just realize I'm going to stay over here because I'm more comfortable having the conversation without that. And it's discernment. And so I, but, but the point is, is how am I interacting? Because there's no path that goes all the way. There's no mindset that carries us all the way. We are a work in progress, you and I. And so when we become clear and clear about our purpose, which may be planting hollyhocks or making a difference in the world or supporting other people and prospering and being successful because that contagion comes back around to, to bless us. And then to go about the work of the personal mastery that is required to, to embody those perspectives so that we become that reliable and consistent place where people know who we are and whose we are which is the individualized expression of the one on this planet, here to be the most potent contagion for good possible. Expression of the divine in everything we do. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So just be careful as you go through the alley today and take in that beautiful hollyhock. It's a sight to behold, as you are as well. And so it is.